Previously on Caustic Soda. It does look like it's on fire a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Probably by sorcery. All right. Early rain, early rain. <laughs> you give your military personnel land and serfs as incentives, and you give your architects a couple of thumbs to the eye. And now, the conclusion. The Massacre of Novgorod. It sounds like a D&D campaign. The Massacre of Novgorod? Mm-hmm. Novgorod. Mm-hmm. Novgorod. In 1569, the Tsar evicted several thousand from Novgorod and the neighboring town of Skov in an attempt to avoid a betrayal like the one he suffered in Izborsk. Oh. Tatarin, a Russian turncoat disguised as an Oprichnik, ordered the gates of Izborsk to be opened in the name of the Oprichnina, oh. allowing the enemy regiment to enter and overtake the fortress. Well, all oh. Tatarin had to do was put on some black. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And say, hey, we're I here. A, let us in. I got a broom and it costs you a broom and a dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. For the cost of a broom and a dog, you can get a fortress. Though Ivan managed to retake the city with little difficulty, the treachery and conspiracy involved in the original seizure led him to order the executions of the assistant crown secretaries of Izborsk, as well as the secretaries of the surrounding fortresses. Well, this is the one where I actually kind of think he's got a case, right? You know, if your Mm. city gets taken without resistance because you open the gates to the enemy army Mm -hmm. because he just knocked on the door and said, hey, let me in. I super swear I'm on your side. I super double pinky swear that uh, I belong in here. It's a, that's an executable offense in mm. medieval Russia, for sure, Z's. I don't think I would execute people for it, but sure. Combined with growing unrest among the aristocrats in Moscow, Ivan became convinced that treason was widespread and expanding, prompting him to take action against the largest threats, his cousin, Prince Vladimir Andreevich, and the city of Novgorod. Oh, his okay. cousin was his, his, his largest threat. Yeah, well, okay. he thought so anyway. When Ivan had been ill in 1553, it was Vladimir that was the boyar's favorite to succeed. Oh, oh back when nobody would swear allegiance to right. his son, who fell in the river. Swear allegiance to my right. son. This is getting confusing here now because there's two Vladimirs. No, it's not. No, no, Prince Vladimir Andreevich. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking this of Vlad the is... Impaler for some reason. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, Vlad the Impaler does not factor into this story uh, okay. at any point. I withdraw my confusing, confusion. Your confusion? My yeah. confusing confusion. Okay, got it. As a result, Ivan was always suspicious of his cousin's actions. Accused of high treason, Vladimir and his children were forced to take poison at Ivan's country residence. Oh, Boom. Vladimir- now, why, if you're going to poison your cousin and his children, mm-hmm. why would you choose your house? <laughs> right? Like, if because he didn't choose the exploding barrel, because <laughs> he didn't want to have to, because uh, he didn't want to have to like get in, into his uh, into his uh, uh, horse drawn carriage and have to ride for yeah, oh, you come three to days. You come to me. You come to yeah. me. Oh, for your so, I'm so tired. Bring him to me. All right, eat poison. Oh, okay. So you it's think he lazy. was actually there when it went down? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, okay, I was just thinking like, uh, go poison my cousin, take him to the country home, no, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you an know? option too. Here's the keys to the cabin out by the lake. The poison happens already to be there. Oh, he's yeah, got a poison clearly garden. labeled. Yeah, he's got labeled. a he's got he's got a homegrown poison <laughs> right. garden in the backyard. It's, it's the, I've, which I've been the terrible version of an herb garden. Yeah, a poison garden. I like it. <laughs> Vladimir's mother and wife, who resided at the Goritsky convent near Vologda, were forcibly drowned in the Sheksna River several days later. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, so th- this is another one of these family situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're you're hanging out in a convent, being all conventy, all nunny. 
Yeah. And then some some Oprichniks show up and drown you in the river. Yeah. Here's your survival guide to Russia in the 1500s. Okay. Don't be related to anyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Be an orphan. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, we are in the Massacre of Novgorod section. Okay. Yeah. So that might not so, work either. Oh, so what? Damn. Buckle up. Shortly after the executions of Prince Vladimir and his family, Ivan launched an attack on Novgorod. It is probably not a coincidence that Novgorod was home to many supporters and retainers of the late prince. Mm -hmm. Uh Though the reasoning behind the attack was generally kept secret, there was evidence to suggest the presence of a conspiracy between the boyars of the city, aided by Archbishop Piman, to surrender the city to the king of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. Right. The Poliths. Yeah, the Poliths. Oh, okay. I, I like that. Oh, you think their favorite weapon was a pole axe? Pole Some kind axe. of pole arm. Yeah, uh-huh. the, yeah. the pole axe is one where you take an axe head and tie it to a Polish person. <laughs> okay. There is much speculation about the authenticity of this evidence, a document of questionable origin, considering right. that the relations between Bishop Piman and Ivan were relatively amicable before the attack. I would suspect not after the attack, uh-huh. though. One theory was that the man who informed Ivan of the document's existence had been punished by the people of Novgorod and the comp- and composed the document in revenge, okay. forging the signatures of the archbishop and other important citizens. Okay. It is also possible that Polish agents planted the documents in an attempt to unseat or destabilize Ivan's authority in the region. An interesting side note, Ivan III, Ivan's paternal grandfather, had also used rumors of Novgorod's planned defection as part of a justification for taking direct control of the city back in 1478. Mm, history repeating itself. Yeah. Or I guess the third answer is, is that this letter that they found that was evidence of their planned defection was actually genuine. Or Ivan wrote it in his, in his you know, uh, to me. Uh, <laughs> planned defection, blah, blah, blah. Archbishop Pimmon, signed, sealed, delivered, gives it to guard, deliver this to me in five minutes. <laughs> well, guess Novgorod's got to go down. Yep. Uh, they've got weapons of mass destruction mm-hmm. in the form of uh, peasants. Let's get yeah. them. Those mm-hmm. peasants, they can cause damage. Yeah. Or or supporters of Prince Vladimir Andreevich. Those are weapons of mass destruction. Yes. On January 2nd, 1570, the advanced regiment of the Tsar's armies arrived in the outskirts of the city. They constructed a barrier around the city to trap the inhabitants and attacked the monasteries oh. surrounding the city to loot the treasuries, beat and or imprison the clergy. So basically, this is like one of those when when you have uh, bed bugs and they need to gas your whole house. Right. And they got to put that big tent around the outside of it. <laughs> right. So they tented it. They tented Novgorod. They tented, oh, yeah. and then around your house, you start attacking the monasteries because they might give the bedbug uh, monasteries the bedbugs yeah. a place to hang out. That's in. right. Uh-huh. So you have to beat or imprison the clergy. Standard bedbug. Yeah, this activity. is this is merely a uh, a bedbug situation. Right, just blown wrong. out of proportion. Yeah. On January sixth, the Tsar arrived with his son Ivan, his court, and roughly fifteen hundred musketeers. The next day, the clergy who had been arrested were beaten to death and their bodies returned to the monasteries to be buried. Okay. Oh, well, that's... Well, I guess. Uh, yeah. Listen, I mean, when you're a monk, all you really want to do is get buried in the monastery. Like, that's kind of your, sure. that's your end you're game. You're just waiting to go to heaven anyway. Yeah, that's right. It's just all like Each punching is, your clock yeah. and waiting for your ticket, uh, ticket to heaven. He could have fed the monks to his dogs, but he yeah. probably wanted to keep them hungry for the attack. Mm-hmm. I guess that's true. Right? Let's, oh, not, no, spoil no. let's not spoil their appetite. Let's not spoil their appetite. Let's, let's on, send them back to the monastery to, I don't know, bury, whatever. Here's my question. Who's going to bury them? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Just right. beat all the clergy to death. Ooh. <laughs> There's some people there at the monastery, like, they're, they're like, yeah, we, we came for a blessing. All of a sudden, like, a dump truck backs up. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. 
a dump just a, cart, a dump clergy. cart full of clergy. <laughs> what are you doing with them here? I don't know. Bury them. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, yeah, it says they were returned to the monasteries to be buried. To be buried. They may not have been buried. There's actually a pile still outside right, of skeletons. On, stop, on top, stuck on the top guy. To be buried. To be buried. <laughs> TBB. <laughs> on January 8th, Ivan proceeded into Novgorod and was met on the bridge over the Volkov River by Archbishop Piman, as was customary. Okay. Uh, customary? Does this happen often? Listen, when we invade Novgorod, you send out the archbishop to this bridge, and we'll meet him. He's no, the I customs. Think, I think it's, they're just talking about like whenever any dignitary right. comes yeah. to town, yeah. the archbishop would be okay. the one to greet them into the city. Oh. I, think, I bet you that's what they mean by customary. I'm guessing. The archbishop attempted to bless the czar, but Ivan refused, oh. stating, You reprobate. You are not holding the life-giving cross but a weapon, a mm. weapon you would use to wound our heart. Mm. You and our, your accomplices, the people of this city, wish to turn over our patrimony, this great and blessed Novgorod, to a foreigner, to the Lithuanian king Sigmund Augustus. Mm. Henceforth, mm. you are not a pastor, <gasps> not a teacher, but a wolf, oh. a destroyer, oh. a traitor, the torment of our purple mantle and our crown. Mm, and went a little Spanish at the end, I apologize. <laughs> Well, that like it, uh, that is a if if he had any doubts, if the archbishop had any doubts, yeah, that Ivan was not here on a friendly fact-finding mission, probably on that bridge, yeah, erased when, all yeah. doubt. When someone calls you the torment of our purple mantle, <laughs> your days are numbered. The torment of our purple mantle. That sounds like when I've masturbated too much. Yeah. Right? <laughs> sounds like when I'm a little chafed. Is that what he's saying about him? Yeah. Like all You of- are like when I masturbate too much. <laughs> yeah. That's what you are. Yeah. Yeah, you are raw dogging. You are my you are when my my dick is chafed. At you first, have chafed my dick, sir. At first you were a lot of fun, but then eventually it started to hurt. Yeah. But then I couldn't stop You're and it hurts even going. more. Still kept going. It's gonna be worth it. Dick Chafer. That's my new insult. Dick I'm gonna chafer. start calling people I don't like Dick Chafers. That's right. Ivan's piety led him to demand that the clergy in the St. Sophia Cathedral say liturgy amidst the general confusion and disorder caused by the entrance of the Tsar and his armed retinue. Mm-hmm. Ivan dined with Piman afterwards, though shortly after the meal oh. began, Ivan ordered his assembled guard to arrest Piman and plunder his residence, treasury, and court. Thanks for opening the door. <laughs> I'll have dinner. Fuck you. I'll have dinner while yeah. you get hauled off to the... Yeah. Is that is that what the purpose was? Do you think it was just a little more torture to say, "Hey, let's have a sumptuous meal," and then as soon as his ass yeah, yeah. touched the seat, it was yeah. like, yeah. "No, no, you go to jail. I'm gonna eat." <laughs> I get the sumptuous meal. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have all uh, everything you got in your cupboards. Yeah. I'm gonna have the craft dinner. I'm gonna have the spam. I'm gonna I'm gonna have it all. The Tsar paraded Piman around the city on a mare while facing backwards and accompanied by a skomoroki. Ooh. Russian folk minstrels that had been outlawed by the Russian Orthodox oh Church as paganists. God, insult yeah. to the injury. So, Is that like Morris so, dancers? So hold on. So he's not allowed to have dinner. That's like then you you sit him on a mare riding backwards. Mm-hmm. So you're facing the ass of the horse. Yeah. Right. And is, you're being followed by pagan minstrels. Is this like when... This is torture. This is this is like when they tried to, to smoke... Uh, what's his name out of the out of his his uh, his compound by playing Metallica? Oh, a <laughs> music episode? Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, from Noriega. Panama, Noriega. Noriega. Yeah, when they tried to smoke Noriega with Metallica. Yeah. This is the medieval version of that. All right. <laughs> Following the arrest of the archbishop and his subsequent imprisonment, Ivan's soldiers set about stripping the cathedrals and churches of all their valuables. That Now, he's pious. 
I get that he's like, okay, these guys are bad, right. but why does he say, so go ahead and grab all the... Maybe he just... Oh, this is like taking a page out of Jesus' book when he goes into the... Oh, the money into the money lenders. Right. Oh, right. That's his excuse. Yeah. Oh, see, churches shouldn't have money. I should have money. Mm-hmm. They stripped the St. Sophia Cathedral, making off with valuable ornaments and icons, as well as the ancient Corson gate from the altar. Oh, mm-hmm. stick, stick this gate. Yeah. <laughs> this gate's coming with me. I'm taking this gate and this thermos. It's all I need. <laughs> Ivan ordered the priests and deacons of the churches inside the city to be held in shackles and flogged from dawn until dusk, unless or until they could pay a ransom of 20 rubles Just each. flog it out of them. <laughs> flog it. It's in there somewhere. No, it's in my pocket. Nope. So you're tied up so, and in shackles and being flogged. You can't reach into your pocket. So if you had 20 rubles, yeah. then you would not get flogged. Yeah. He, he, well, he makes these weird stands on principle. Yeah. Right? Like where he puts the archbishop backwards on a mare and makes, and makes him listen to pagan minstrel music. Yeah. Right. But then he's like, okay, I'm going to flog you from morning until night. Yeah. Unless you have 20 rubles. Right. Where's the 20 rubles factor in? Like, how well, does it you become gotta, a money thing? Eventually, eventually you're going to be like, wait for someone that you know to pass by. Uh-huh. Can I please borrow 20 rubles <laughs> so I can stop being flogged? I will pay you 100 rubles Tuesday <laughs> for 20 rubles today. For 20 rubles today. For fucking serious. Oh. Here's, I love this bit. The archbishop was sewn up in a bearskin and then hunted to death by a pack of hounds. So where it says sewn up in oh a bearskin, I think they actually mean made a bear costume out of a dead bear. That's what it, that's what it means. I'm and sure of it. And then hunted they, to death by a pack of hounds. And sewed him up in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and then said, now run. That's amazing. Now dogs, get him. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's horrifying. It's terrible, but it's awesome. It's bear baiting, but with a human inside yeah. the bear. Yeah, yeah. And try and run in a bear like you're wearing yeah. a bear skin, because bears are pretty big, right? So it's all I bet you that bear skin was heavy as shit. And you're like, yeah. Do you have to run on your all fours as well? But, and you can't see out of the bear's eyes. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> right? Well, you're probably looking through its gaping oh, maw. Oh, you're probably looking through the gaping maw. Right. Yeah, well, someone's in the back going, going, You are not going to be able to outrun a pack of hungry. Not even, not in a bear costume. The bear costume is not going to help me run. No, exactly. Yeah. I would maybe turn around and go and see what I could right. do but these are probably like war hounds oh, and totally these are hounds to, that have been yeah. fed people before yeah, and probably the question. hunted do bears I guess, do I get the bear claws does that come with the, with the costume probably but sure, probably but no kind of like yeah, pushing yeah. strength behind yeah, them yeah, you yeah, know no. floppy claws yeah like because you, like, like, you're like you're, you're, I don't care bear, how the, fat <laughs> the archbishop is he's not the same size as a bear no, no exactly. the, the arms are all like super yeah, long and floppy like oh I got can't get my hand down to where the claws are in the bottom of the best you can do is scratch a dog's eye a bit like and it goes yelp and then five others are on you yeah nightmare Ivan saved the brunt of his sadistic anger. Oh. What? <laughs> For the upper and middle classes. Well, okay. Before his arrival, Ivan's army had rounded up and detained all the leading merchants, traders, and city officials, along with their families. The Overchniki seized all profitable goods and destroy sh- destroyed shops and storehouses. The merchant classes were tortured for information regarding the supposed defection. The judges employing exceedingly cruel tortures, including but not limited to burning with a clever fire-making device called a grill. Okay. So, brand. So, when when you're having a barbecue and you've got a hot grill underneath your meat, just remember who invented that. Or maybe it's one of those ones where it's like got two sides to a grill and you actually put hot coals inside it. Oh yeah, I like that. Uh huh. Roasting over fires. 
being strung up by one's hands and having one's eyebrows singed off. Okay. Oh, that's a, that's way too close to your eyeballs for sin for mm. things that have the power to sin. Yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. That's it's the almost, part. That's the part that is like that would be horrifying. But that think, situation is. You think that thing. might be a little unpleasant then? Yeah. 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 If it wasn't your eyeballs, you'd be totally be fine with having parts of your body singed off. Mm, well, eyebrows no. don't hurt. If yeah. your eyebrows singed off, the eyebrow doesn't hurt. Part around it hurts. I, oh, citation needed, man. <laughs> Ugh, singed off yeah i can't feel a thing no. ch- that, all three of the first things all have to do with fire yeah yep. after the torture those condemned by the court were often tied to sleds and dragged through town until they were forced off the bridge into the river ah huh. okay all, all right. right i yeah we, and this is keep in mind uh, this is january in russia yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> women and children of all ages were bound and thrown from a high bank into the volkov river where they were trapped under the ice Ooh. soldiers patrolled the water in boats armed with boat hooks spears and lan- lances and axes to push down anyone who managed to break the surface alive wow the mass of corporate the mass of corpses made the river flood its banks oh, oh. we can the river can't be <laughs> Can't, can't be, be contained, contained in its usual because uh, yeah in its usual uh form too full it's full of people the they're pretty much damming up the river with corpses yeah uh, wow ivan's fear of conspiracies and revolution in any combination led him to try to quell disaffection and discourage revolutionary tendencies through fear and violence uh-huh. thus the oprichniki's attack on novogorod's lower classes had two main objectives to increase the royal treasury and to terrorize into submission. Increase royal treasury 20 rubles at a time. There, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Oprichniki looted and destroyed homes and had orders to kill all inhabitants who resisted and periodically even those who complied sure, regardless of age or sex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, you know, I mean, yeah, you just got, you got to keep it a little bit random. Keep people on the toes. Right? Yeah. You, know, yeah. you don't want people like knowing who is and isn't going to get <laughs> thrown in the river. <laughs> well, that's. That's not a way to run a country. Yeah, that's not a way to run a country. You need to, yeah, because that's how you keep people in line. It's just by the complete random implica- uh, application of torture and execution. Yeah. Von Staten wrote of Ivan during the attack, Mounting a horse and brandishing a spear, he charged in and ran people through while his son watched the entertainment. Oh, so hands-on. Yeah. Real hands-on. I wonder how old his kid was by this time. Ivan the fourth or the fifth or whatever. Yeah, he would have been Ivan the fifth. Uh, I don't know. It's like, here you go. This is how it's done, son. Uh-huh. It's a valuable quality time we're spending together. Uh-huh. So son was 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, listen, by this point in time, Ivan, his dad, had already had somebody fed to a pack of dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he'd right. done that like three years earlier. Come on, son, catch up. When yeah. I was your age. Yeah, yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Well, you know, when I, when he was his age, he had people, he had, uh, uh, you know, uh, boyars fed to packs of uh, starving hunting dogs. But he didn't take care of a, a massacre of an entire city either. True. The famines that had plagued the area in previous years, exacerbated by the Oprichniki raising farmland on their trek to Novgorod, hmm. had drawn many of the poor from the surrounding land into the city for shelter. Ah. The Tsar ordered the collected paupers and beggars expelled from the city in the middle of winter, where cold, hunger, and disease succeeded in killing hundreds of the families that were evicted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. At that point, you want to go into the river that's choked with human bodies just to get a little warmer. <laughs> yeah, because at least you can, like, you snuggle, <laughs> snuggle in there. Beside the... Uh, uh, <laughs> at least uh, you'll feel warmer when you get hypothermic, oh, right? You yeah. You might ask to be burned because it would be some warmth, right? Uh, yeah. Could you use that grill on my eyebrows? 
I think my <laughs> eyeballs are actually freezing, so oh yeah, I can't I'll blink anymore. So I, because my my eyeballs have been frozen open, <laughs> please so... defrost my eyes by burning off my <laughs> eyebrows. eyebrows. Yeah. Every monastery, church, manor house, warehouse, farm, outhouse, sorry, going on a whole thing, within a circuit of 100 miles was then wrecked, plundered, and left roofless. All goods were pillaged, all cattle destroyed. Do you think the cattle were actually traitors? They were conspirators. (laughs) They they, they thought things were going to be better in Lithuania, too. The Oprichniki burned and pillaged Novgorod and the surrounding villages, laying waste to roughly 90% of the arable land in the area. With the loss of the majority of its production capacity and the economy essentially in ruins, Novgorod, a city that, until Ivan III rivaled Moscow for the seat of power in Russia, lost its political standing and the Novgorod Republic officially became a thing of the past. It would never regain its former prominence. Yeah, you pretty much wiped it off the map. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it sounds mm-hmm. like. It almost, And doesn't it kind of sound like at first he was like, let's fix it and get rid of the bad guys. I'm a terrible person, but we're going to kill a bunch of people and then they're going to listen. And yeah. when he was there, he was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's, we're here. We came all this way. Yeah. Well, they started torturing. Just, they started torturing the, the upper class yeah. and, and, the, and the merchants and asking yeah. them who else was in on the plot. And you start pointing fingers like everybody right. was in on the plot. As we've learned about torture. Yeah. yeah. You just oh, say anything. That guy was in on it. And that guy was in on it. And then you tortured those guys. And then they all these like serfs that are my land they're all in on it and he's like just kill all the uh, all the cattle take the roofs off all the buildings put salt in all the lands fuck this city nuke the place yeah. for more but yeah it's the, the only, only way, way to, to be, be sure, sure. yeah <laughs> Ivan returned to Moscow and looked into any supposed treachery within his own court examining any who'd had contact with the archbishop and therefore may have been involved in the plot Ivan mm. continued to arrest and interrogate anyone he considered guilty, dangerous, or even a possible threat. As a result, there were mass public executions in Moscow of people deemed traitors and sympathizers with Novgorod. Oh, again. The death toll of the massacre is uncertain. According to the Third Novgorod Chronicle, the Ooh, massacre... By Ray Bradbury. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the massacre lasted for five weeks, and the First Skov Chronicle cites the number of victims as 60,000. These numbers are debated, however, and are not from an impartial source. Uh-huh. Western sources from the time give figures ranging from 2,700 to 27,000 oh, killed. Okay. Modern researchers estimate the number of victims range from 2,500 up to 12,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruslov Skirinikov, reconstructing the Synodiki prayer lists of the Kirillo Belozersky Monastery, Jesus, <laughs> found only 1,505 named victims of the massacres, although these were most likely elite citizens and lesser citizens, citizens were not listed. Funny right. I would have problems with citizen. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Of course, these figures likely don't include anyone who later died of starvation or exposure. Of the event, Skrinikov stated, The sack of Novgorod is the most repulsive episode in the brutal history of the Oprichnina. The cruel, senseless slaughter of innocent people made Oprichnina synonymous with lawlessness and excess. Mm. So, so, goodbye, Novgorod. Your massacre made the river overflow not know what you're singing i only regret that in goodbye, an audio podcast Novgorod. nobody can see the glance that torn and i gave each other while that was going on <laughs> it's goodbye norma jean <laughs> there are a whole I'll bunch just... of different notes in that song from what you were singing i was doing a spot on mm-hmm. rendition elton john you put the rend in rendition one, i saw him live last year so i know what he sounds like so screw you guys <laughs> that's, oh, that's, that's all it right. takes is to know what he that's sounds right. like yeah i, I got he's really gone downhill since i got, that was I got I, I, i'm all elton john by osmosis up in here 
The Oprichnina did not survive long after the sack of Novgorod. During the 1571-72 Russo-Crimean War, the Oprichnina failed to prove themselves worthy against a regular army oh. when Tatar forces sacked Moscow and Ivan had to flee the city. Oops. In 1572, Ivan abolished the Oprichnina and disbanded his Oprichniks. Some of Ivan's strangest behavior occurred that year oh. when he again abdicated and placed a Tatar general, oh. Simeon Bekboalovich, on the <laughs> Moscow throne while he retired to his country estate. That's kind of awesome. Ivan made regular visits to the capital to pay homage to the new czar, but his, this charade only lasted for a year before he again took power. Okay. Um, gosh, I wonder what happened to Simeon Bekboalovich. You know, he should just... Enjoy the year that you got That's to right. rule right. over all of Russia. Right. You know, if you come, if you're going to be a puppet, you know, dictator, uh, probably not picking Ivan the Terrible to be the best puppet of. Probably didn't end well for him. Ivan's married life had become increasingly unstable over the years, underlining his egocentricity, insecurity, and manic temperament. In 1561, he married a Circassian beauty, Maria Temrakovna. But he soon tired of her. Two years after Maria's death in 1569, he married Martha Sobakin, a merchant's daughter. But she died two weeks after they were married. Hmm. <laughs> Suicide? What do you think? <laughs> or he just murdered her? Well, you know, he murdered some other wives, and so didn't mention that. So. Well, so he was married to the Circassian beauty for, what, eight years? Uh, no, seven, because okay. she died, and then two years later he got married again. Okay. Uh, Ivan's fourth wife was Anna Koltovskaya, whom he sent to a convent in 1575. He married a fifth time to Anna Wasilchikura, who was soon replaced by his sixth wife, Wasilisa Melentievna. She foolishly took a lover. Oh, no. Her, oh. Lover, her lover was found impaled under Wasilisa's window before she, too, was dispatched to a convent. On okay. his seventh wedding day, Ivan discovered that his new bride, Maria Doigyurkaya, was not a virgin, so he had her drowned the next day. His eighth and final wife was Maria Nagaya, whom Ivan married in 1581. You know, when Ivan comes to me and says, will you marry me? Uh-huh. He's the czar. Keep How do you mind, say he's no? The czar. How do you say How no? How do you say no? I say, yes, I will see you tomorrow at the wedding. <laughs> and then you run to Lithuania? And then I run to Lithuania. <laughs> I wonder, like, Lithuania must have just been this, like, kind of, you know, legendary, like, a, a kingdom in the sky. Like, people are like, oh, Lithuania is like heaven on earth compared to Russian rule. Like, it just everyone, everyone just always seemed to run to Lithuania. I hear in Lithuania you only have to put in 14 hours of backbreaking work every day and nobody <laughs> murders you randomly. <laughs> nobody pokes you in the face with a broom. What a dream a country. That is probably true. Joe was making fun of that. That was that, that's on the sign when you go into Lithuania. <laughs> no, no being sewn into bear costumes and, and eaten, eaten by dogs. By does Russia have a sign saying nobody has been sewn into a bear costume <laughs> in, and, in, and chased yeah. by a pack of dogs in X years? Yeah, like, X no, no days. days. Let's well, be honest. Putin in is like, in there, you know, so. twenty-seven days or whatever. Right? Yeah, Ivan was actually well known as a pamphleteer of genius. His epistles attributed <laughs> to him are masterpieces of perhaps all Russian political journalism. Wow. They are full of cruel irony expressed oh. in pointedly forcible terms. Ooh. The shameless bully and great polemicist are seen together in a flash when he taunts the runaway Prince Kerbsky 
with the question, If you are so sure of your righteousness, why did you run away and not prefer martyrdom at my hands? Because right, okay. <laughs> living is good, you dummy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he, I guess he's making the point that, you know, if you're righteous, then God will protect you, right? God wants me to protect everybody else, too, and I need to be alive for that. The attacks he made in his pamphlets were well calculated to drive the correspondent uh, he was attacking into a rage. The part of the cruel tyrant elaborately operating an escaped victim while he continues torturing those within his reach may be detestable, but Ivan played it with truly Shakespearean breadth of imagination. His letters are often the only surviving source on Ivan's personality and provide crucial information on his reign. I think I know why he brought in that printing press and was so mad when Over it was the pamphlets. burned. <laughs> yeah. Over the pamphlets. Besides his letters to Kerbsky, he wrote satirical invectives to other men within his power. The best is his letter to the abbot of the Kirillo Belozersky Monastery, where he pours out all the poison of his grim irony on the unesthetic life of boyars, shorn monks, and those exiled by his order. His picture of their luxurious life in the citadel of asceticism is a masterpiece of trenchant sarcasm. Because ascetic means giving up, mm -hmm. you know, all your worldly goods and stuff. Yeah, and, so, and they're all wealthy. So That's he's why talking, he's got to go in and yeah. strip all these cathedrals of their wealth and whatnot. Yeah. The later years. In 1581, Ivan beat his pregnant daughter-in-law for wearing immodest clothing. What? How immodest can you be in 1581 to warrant she's a beating? Probably she's showing an ankle. changing or something. Right? She's showing an ankle. It's not an ankle. To yep. a guard. And soon afterwards, she suffered a miscarriage. Oh, okay, there you go. Her husband and his second son, also named Ivan, upon learning of this, engaged his father in a heated argument. In a sudden fit of rage, Ivan the Terrible struck his son a mortal blow to the head with his iron-tipped staff. Oh, that so he was that known he for around. carrying around and lashing out at people he didn't like. The prince lay in a coma for several days before succumbing to his festering wound. Ivan IV was overcome by extreme grief, knocking his head violently against his son's okay. coffin. Of course he did. I I'm surprised he didn't knock his head violently against his son's head. <laughs> right now i wish dr rob was here there has got to be a thing where people are like will bang oh, their heads he's suffering from, a, from extreme of... head knockery yeah some head sort of, all right. you're thinking of some sort of like actual you know psychological like he's thing got some psychological find... mix up that makes him bang his head a lot because this is multiple different times like, that he's known what for you're talking his head. About... he builds up a callus on it yeah what you're talking about is a is head banging tourette's <laughs> Okay. Right? Involuntary headbanging. Cranio-kineto... Disorder. Yes, disorder. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right, so he uh, beat his daughter-in-law, killed his son. Nice. This event is depicted in the famous painting by Ilya Repin, Ivan the Terrible, and his son Ivan on Friday, 16th November, 1581, better known as Ivan the Terrible killing his son. Oh, that's a good painting. That is mm -hmm. a good painting. Yeah. There's the iron tip staff. Yep. Right there yep. in the bottom of the frame. We'll put this Bang. on on the website at causticsodapodcast.com if you want to check this out. Oh, yeah, I like the close-up here, too, of, like, his haunted eyes. Mm -hmm. ah, that's a good painting. I like that painting. Mm -hmm. I'd I hang like that it. painting in my house. No, I wouldn't. I would have nightmares if I hung that in my house. <laughs> confined to the Kremlin due to illness and infirmity. Uh -huh. Who would confine him? He must have confined himself. He must have confined yeah. himself. I, I he am just ill. just hit the point where he needed like a wheelchair and he couldn't go up right. and down the stairs. Oh, anymore. so not confined as in stay here. No. That's okay. why he has everyone, everything brought to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ivan became addicted to mercury. <sighs> oh, nice. Histor oh, you mean the cars? <laughs> I mean the... I'm crazy about a mercury. 
Historians record that the that he kept a cauldron of mercury bubbling constantly in his private rooms. Oh, oh God! Ooh. Oh, that cannot be good. Oh, oh that, the, no good can come of that. Uh, why can't I smell anything anymore? <laughs> Do you know, you think if you keep a cauldron of mercury constantly bubbling in your private quarters, you will walk out of that room like with kind of a silver sheen, won't you? Like people, you'll be like the Tin Man, You're like the like, Silver Surfer. Yeah, totally. No, you'd be walking all naked. kind of creaky and yeah. like, you know. <laughs> How small do you think they make cauldrons? What's well, the small, pretty small cauldrons. smallest cauldron you there's can small get? There's small cauldrons. Okay. There's like, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like pots, like tea kettles. Oh. Might be a very yeah. small cauldron. That's a lot of mercury to get a hold of. That is a lot of mercury. But he is the he's czar. czar. He's the yeah. czar of all yeah. Russia. Yeah. If anybody's going to get a lot of mercury, that, that guy can have you a, a cauldron of mercury in three hours. He ripped all the mercury fillings out of the uh, serfs. Yeah, they're precisely. Right, because they all had good dental. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, uh, at the time, mercury was the accepted treatment for syphilis, and it has been speculated that perhaps Ivan had the disease, his sexual promiscuity with both sexes, and many features of his personality support such a diagnosis. Oh, we haven't talked about that at all, his bisexuality? I think it was like, you know, orgies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was stated by witnesses that in his rages, Ivan foamed at the mouth like a horse. Right. Ivan had long looked older than his age, with white long hair dangling from a bald pate on his shoulders. Oh my God, he had a skullet? Oh, yeah, he had a skullet. Yeah, he totally did. In his final years, he had to be carried on a litter. His body swelled. The skin peeled off and gave a terrible odor. Oh, But not not the good kind of terrible. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, no. This is a bad kind of terrible. This is a bad kind of terrible. It's not a badass odor. This is the modern definition (laughs) of terrible. This is not the Russian definition of terrible. Sir Jerome Horsey. What does his face look like? Sir Horsey. Hey, Sir Horsey, why the long face? <laughs> yeah. An agent of Britain's Russia company who carried letters between Elizabeth I and Ivan IV met with Ivan Grozny in 1581. He wrote of the Tsar's appearance. I already did. Um, James Mason. James Mason. Uh, do, um... Oh, Jason Statham. <laughs> Jason Statham. Jason Statham. His body was shrunken and bent, and although his face seemed more ferocious than ever, it was shriveled prematurely and deathly pale. <laughs> His ears and lips were tinged with blue, and his... Well, of course they were. They were full of mercury. And his breathing had become labored. Uh-huh. His eyes moved restlessly, casting furtive glances, hither and thither. Oh, yeah. As if he entertained fear of sudden attack. Apparently he did. <laughs> yeah, at all times. He'd grown almost completely bald, and a few rugged gray patches were all that remained of his once luxuriant beard. <laughs> I sleep badly, he complained. Oh, I sleep badly. He complained. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> this will, English guy's good at doing Russian accents. Evil dreams torment me. They are produced by my magic working enemies. Yet I pray daily for the welfare of the souls of such as have been found guilty of treasonable plottings and transferred to the judgment palace, place of the eternal, there to answer for their sins. With all... I concern myself greatly regarding the affairs of state, constant wars against hostile nations, and the welfare of my poor people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. My poor, poor people. <laughs> that I drove to horrible things. <laughs> so that I've driven out into the winter to die of starvation and exposure. All oh, those poor people. <laughs> my health has consequently suffered greatly. <laughs> I have grown old before my time. So unlike a lot of other leaders who have Uh generally good uh, reigns and at the end go crazy and start butchering people, Mm. he's terrible and horrible and butchers and massacres, and the end goes totally crazy and goes, oh, my poor people, and there's wars. To be fair, there were like seven years in the middle where he was kind of low on the 
uh, on the terrible. With his first wife. Yeah, when yeah. his little heifer kept him calm. Mm, yeah. yeah, he needs more little heifers. Horsey would also recount of Ivan's final days. And the emperor began grievously to swell in his cods. Oh. Fish, I, I guess. So, yeah, I guess he must be, probably had those those um, slippers, right, that looked like fish. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Those novelty slippers. So his feet didn't fish his fit slippers anymore. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. With which he had the most horribly offended above 50 years, boasting of a thousand virgins he had deflowered and thousands of children was begetting destroyed. Oh, lovely. So oh, one- wait. Does cods mean balls? Is that, yeah, cods well up. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, codpiece. Okay. Codpiece, yeah. Oh, okay. It's now his we dick. Know. Yeah. The sentence makes more sense now. <laughs> yeah. The emperor began grievously swelling his cods, which he had most horribly offended above 50 years. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Boasting of a thousand virgins he had deflowered and thousands of children of his begetting destroyed. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. How is it that Horsey knew exactly what was going on in, in the, the, the uh, emperor's codpiece? Well, he's met him. He had to deliver letters and stuff. And the guy's like old and infirm. And oh, he's probably shambling around in a robe that keeps falling and open. Yeah, right? and he, <laughs> you know? he's like, I've got a letter for you from the Queen of England. Here you go. Oh, my balls are so huge. Ah, oh, you don't know how many virgins I've deflowered with these and how many kids I have to have, have killed. And that's exactly it right there. Yeah. Like, Oh, I guess that uh, he's uh, probably had the, the multiple four-term abortion, right? Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 that uh, post-birth yeah. abortion. Mm-hmm. My man is so evil, and he treats me so unkind. With his health failing, Ivan the Terrible became obsessed with death, calling Mm -hmm. upon witches and soothsayers to sustain him, but to no avail. Ivan died from a stroke while playing chess with Bogdan Belsky on March 28, 1584. Upon Ivan's death, the Russian throne was left to his unfit and childless middle son, Fyodor. Oh. Fyodor died childless in 1598, ushering in the Time of Troubles, oh. a period <laughs> comprising the years between the death of Fyodor and the establishment of the Romanov dynasty in 1613. Seems like there's more than one Time of Trouble in the history of uh, Russia. But can you imagine, we could probably do a whole episode on this Russian Time of Troubles if it's yeah. enough 
to in Russian history right. get the name The yeah. time, time of Troubles. Remember that time when we didn't have a murderous barbarian <laughs> right. leading us? Oh, the Troubles. <laughs> no, I bet you what happened when Theodore died without a child. I bet you it was, uh, he died in 1598 and the Romanov dynasty started in 1613. So there's 15 years probably of nonstop power struggles yeah. to figure out who was going to come right. out on top. So it was probably pretty terrible. I was going to say, why did they describe him as unfit compared to the previous? Oh, I think he was, I, I think he was actually uh, uh, mentally handicapped. Right, but I was going to say the reason he's unfit is because he didn't just pick some kid and say, "That's my son." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, some one of the other, uh, you know, anybody. Orphans. Oh, really? Anybody. Yeah, he should have yeah. said, "That's my son, Theodore." Now not... prevent the time of troubles. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, they. This is back in the day when they actually concerned themselves about who was the product of their loins right. and carrying on their bloodline and whatnot and he'd kind of just smashed the head in of the one guy who probably was capable of taking over yeah mm. so uh later the exhumation of ivan's body confirmed that he suffered from acute mercury poison well not surprised when you have a cauldron of mercury bubbling in your bedroom his cards are all shiny <laughs> scholars believe that ivan manifested psychopathic characteristics quick mood shifts unreliability egocentricity and lack of lasting emotion his first mock abdication showed he was a master of manipulating other people while convincing them of his good intentions. His personal friendships were of short duration, and his friends usually ended up dead. Mm-hmm. Ivan's economic legacy was disastrous and contributed to the decline of the Rurik dynasty and the rise of the Time of Troubles. Ivan inherited a government in debt and in an effort to raise revenue instituted a series of taxes to pay for his numerous military campaigns. But all the successive wars simply drained the country of both men and resources. Surprising. Although acquiring territory led to dire financial straits, it also established a relationship with Europe, especially through trade. Although contact between Russia and Europe remained small, it would later grow, facilitating the permeation of European ideals across the border. Silver lining. Silver lining. That's a glass Mm -hmm. half full moment right there. Ivan left Russia an empire, and Russia would become a world power with the development of Siberia's abundant natural resources. However, much of the old heartland was in shambles. Countless acres of cultivated land had been abandoned by farmers during the terror of the Oprichniki. A new era of ensurfment of the peasantry began under his rule. Most importantly, Ivan set the example for the absolute and all-powerful czar, establishing clearly that Russia had completely broken away from its days as a Mongol colony. Peter the Great would later push Russia to become a European power, and Catherine II would manipulate that power to make Russia a leader within the region, both strongly emulating Ivan's example. Today, a controversial movement in Russia campaigns in favor of granting sainthood wow. to Ivan IV. Wow. The Russian Orthodox Church has stated its opposition to the idea. Oh, no yeah. shit. Okay. <laughs> they probably just pull the file on the Archbishop Pimmon and the <laughs> Metropolitan that they had strangled yeah. on... On Christmas Eve Eve? Yes. Well, at least he didn't strangle him on Christmas Day. Yeah. Oh, that would have been the worst. They put out, like, the turkey dinner, oh. and they're like, you, they're, you, you could smell it, and then the guy shows up, and you think, oh, turkey dinner? Strangling. So, mercy. He showed him mercy by not waiting until Christmas Day. I've got some uh, folklore about Ivan the Terrible. Okay. I'd like All to right. talk about before we get completely into... Uh something else the folk tales about ivan the terrible are especially interesting in that they portray the first czar of russia in a quite a different light than historians do one example is a story of a friendship which develops between a disguised ivan and a thief the thief asks the czar if he wants to go robbing with him and the czar agrees 
After they robbed from a few shops in the marketplace, the Tsar wanted to test his new friend's loyalty and suggests they rob the treasury. At this suggestion, the thief slaps the Tsar, saying, mm. I've been thieving for ages, but I've never dreamt of robbing the Tsar. <laughs> okay. The story continues well, when the thief... probably a good idea, actually. I, like, yeah. If you're a thief, the one person you shouldn't rob is the Tsar. Yeah. And it also could just be a test, right? right. Like, what? Rob from the Tsar? I would never do that. And then you check to see the response. What? Mm. No, we can make a lot of money and we could get away with it and I don't like that guy. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The story continues when the thief suggests that they should rob the boyars oh, instead yeah, because, because, quote, they get their money for nothing, <laughs> unlike the Tsar. Yeah. For his faithfulness and respect, Ivan rewards the young man by asking him to become his counselor. Bad move. Of course. Yeah, they all end up dead, so he yeah, probably didn't get yeah. ahead in the in Exactly. The in another tale, a friendship develops between Ivan and a potter. The Tsar is attracted to the potter because of his ability to answer riddles and mm. is impressed by his quick wittedness. Mm, okay. Ivan helps mm. the potter create a monopoly of pottery sales in Russia against the boyars. When of course. An, <laughs> yeah. When an unsuspecting boyar is unable to pay for the merchandise he ordered, the Tsar punishes him by making the boyar switch social roles with the potter. Oh, my God. Now, see, here's the thing. I think what's happening here is... Ivan the Terrible is kind of revered by the common people, not because they love him that much. They just hate him less than the boyars. Because the boyars are the guys mm. that collect the taxes right. and they see yeah. every day and like, right. look at that guy on his high horse being all high and mighty and lording it over me and blah, blah, blah. But Ivan hates and Ivan the And Ivan comes through and he kills a bunch of boyars and you're like, yeah, that guy's not half bad. Right. Now, mm -hmm. he puts an Oprichniki in the boyars' place <laughs> who is like 10 times worse than the boyar was. But, you know... We all remember the good stuff and not the bad stuff. And you remember that guy who you knew since you were a little kid, you thought he was kind of an asshole. Yep. And uh, Ivan the Terrible uh, had him executed or ran him out of town or whatever. The common people didn't really see his actions as all that negative. He was kind of doing his job as the czar. Yeah. And the job as a czar in Russia is to oppress people and just <laughs> oppress. As long as they oppress somebody you don't like harder than yeah. you. Then he's an all right guy. This is our lot in life as Russians to be oppressed. But as long as those rich people are getting more oppressed and murdered than me, then, uh, uh, you know, not so bad. Uh, Could be worse. I, from a human nature perspective, I can see that point of view. Mm -hmm. Big Sky Brewing. Oh, shout out. Shout out to Big Sky Brewing <laughs> for their Ivan the Terrible Imperial Stout. Ooh. It's like a guy in a bear suit being chased by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's got terrible in the title. You'd think you wouldn't want to put Ivan the Terrible on your label, but... Well, hmm? Oh, and it's all in like a black bottle? Oh, yeah. Like the mm -hmm. Boyver's Mars Beast? <laughs> like the uh, Oprichniki? Oprichniki. Uh -huh. What'd you call them? The Boys... <laughs> the boys Mars Beast? Alcohol by volume, 9.5%. So extra strong beer. Ivan the Terrible Imperial Stout is brewed according to the traditional style using oh. English hops and oh. finest American malt. Mm, That's, mm, that doesn't sound like no, 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 no. <laughs> Ivan the Terrible traditional style. Ivan well, the Terrible okay. will make it from the tears of boyars and the blood of peasants. It's okay because they stole it all. Right. They just sent, oh, their, they sent the, the Oprichniki in to take the English hops and the finest American malt. Oh, they like uh, strain it through a religious icons and they take off a cathedral through, walls. Through a bear suit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Its aroma and flavor balance well between esters of dried fruit and roasted cocoa with a slight bourbon presence. Dried fruit, roasted cocoa, and bourbon? <laughs> that is not what I associate with Ivan the Terrible. I mean, at least the guys who made the Bell Gunness beer, they, they kind of they equated the two. They said, like, fiercely independent and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, hard to, uh, to tame. I just need to know how much mercury is in this. Uh... Oh, of course, there's got to be mercury in it. Yes, of course. In the news. Uh... Wait, 
Okay. In the news about Ivan the Terrible? 2000 Moscow. Okay. Throughout the succeeding centuries, many historical scholars had dismissed Ivan's claims that his mother and his uh, first wife were murdered as paranoid delusions or political machinations. Okay. Mm -hmm. The bodies of Ivan's wife and mother were exhumed in 2000 by scientists at Moscow's Institute of Geography, Russian Academy of Sciences, and conducted a battery of tests on them. A battery of tests means they punched them a bunch of times. Oh, no, they plugged them in. It's not going to plug them into a wall. They turned them into a battery. The forensic tests revealed that Anastasia Romanovna had more than 10 times normal levels of mercury in intact strands of hair. Oh. While Jolene... While Elena Glinskaya's hair contained abnormally high mercury levels as well. Okay. Oh, okay. The scientists do not believe that Anastasia's body could accumulate such high doses even if she used cosmetics and ointments daily. At the time, women were required to whiten their faces when they participated in official ceremonies and the cosmetics they used contained lead, mercury, and arsenic. Of course they did. The, 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 what, lead, mercury, and arsenic, what, that, that, those are probably in makeup products even to this day. Also one of uh, Simon and Garfunkel's lesser known and popular oh, songs. Rosemary and Time, yeah. Lead, mercury, and arsenic. <laughs> Upon acute poisoning, the body tries to excrete excess mercury through kidneys, bowels, and with sweat. Mm-hmm. So don't get too close to a sweaty, mercury-poisoned person. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or you, or you eat will their become, kidneys afterwards. Well, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's less danger, I would think. Okay. Just don't lick them. Bones do not have enough time to accumulate mercury before it kills the subject. However, the hair is soaked with poisoned sweat and retains traces of the metal for a long time. Mm. It is worth mentioning that mercuric salts were the main poisons used in the Middle Ages. Okay. So it sounds like a uh, myth busted, right? That he wasn't paranoid, that he actually knew. She was poisoned. That they mm-hmm. were both poisoned. Mm-hmm. Now, by boyars. Yeah, well, they executed like hundreds of boyars as a result. They probably all weren't in on it. But, you know, I mean, uh, you can make it, when you're making a persecution omelet, you got to break a few boyars, right? I mean, but Liz, he had it right. They are poisoned. Yep. This one time. I'm very interested. I'm very interested yeah, yeah. in the fact that they were poisoned. Broken clock is right twice a day, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, he can randomly be correct. He see, might not have even known. You know what I mean? See, He's I just... understand why somebody would have poisoned his mom. He had his two uncles eliminated. Sure. All the boyers were kind of like, mm, if we want to become Sar someday, we're going to have to keep this chick from killing all of us, mm-hmm. right? And she was the regent, so if they got rid of her, then they could like probably seize the reins of power like they did and like run roughshod over this like eight-year-old kid, right? I understand poisoning her to get her out of the way. What was the motivation for poisoning the only thing that seemed to keep him even keeled? Maybe, oh, they saw it as a sign of weakness. Oh, he actually loves his wife. Mm. Oh, yeah. Now we know how to get to him. We know how to get his goat. Let's make him even worse. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get rid of the thing that's calming him down. Yeah. Idiots. Yeah, that one I don't, like, you know, that I don't understand. That's the one I don't. I don't know. In my head, it becomes like a competition between time-traveling Russians, right? Like, somebody's oh. like, we've got to go back in time and make Ivan the Terrible not be so bad. We'll introduce him to this woman, and that'll calm him down. Somebody else is like, no, the timeline has to continue, and he's got to be terrible. <laughs> Kill that woman. And it's just in the background, all these totally advanced people trying to make sure that it's either good or bad. Yeah. You're trying to write an episode of Doctor Who right now. I totally am writing it. Well, how else am I going to think about Ivan the Terrible if not by traveling back in time in a TARDIS to see him and stop these horrible things? (laughs) Quickly, teleport him out out of that bear suit and save his life and put a bear inside it. (laughs) 
<laughs> a skinless bear. <laughs> That's right, a skinless bear. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> November 2014, Siberia. Uh, wait, we have two news stories we about have... Iron the Terrible? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah right. Sure, it's, uh, it's awesome. Well, you know, uh, historians have news things to announce. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Intrigue exists over how a German-made 12th century blade inscribed in Sweden managed to reach Siberia. So, German-made, 12th century, inscribed in Sweden, but they found it in Siberia. Yep. The medi- this, this medieval sword was discovered buried under a tree in the Novosibirsk region, unearthed by accident in 1975, oh. and remains the only weapon of its kind ever found in Siberia. Okay. A new theory has emerged that it could have belonged to the Tsar Ivan the Terrible and came from the royal armory as a gift at the time of the conquest of Siberia. Okay. The hypothesis twins the infamous Russian ruler and a revered battle hero. The beautifully engraved weapon was originally made in Central Europe, most likely in the Rhine Basin of Germany, before going to the Swedish mainland to be adorned with an ornate silver handle and a Norse rune pattern. Leading experts at the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg decoded the writing on the one-meter-long blade. The main inscription reads, In the name of the Mother of our Savior Eternal, Eternal Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus Christ. It seems repetitive. It is repetitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It says uh, eternal twice and uh, Christ twice. I yeah. guess you can't have too many eternals or Christs on your uh, on your blades. That's Ooh, right. does it make this a Vorpal blade? You think it like chops heads off because it's got Christ twice? I don't know if it goes snicker snack. I don't think so. No. <laughs> if you got uh... the inscription on the reverse side re- reads, "In the name of the Almighty, the Mother of God, in the name of Eternal." So there's Eternal three times. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah they like that Eternal. Yeah. There's been widespread debate about how the sword ended up in Russia. One academic now suggests the blade could have been taken from Ivan the Terrible's armory and brought to Siberia by the legendary warrior Ivan Koltso, ahead of the conquest of the region. It was during Ivan's reign that Russia started large-scale exploration and colonization of Siberia. Mm-hmm. Cossack leader Yermak Timofeyevich was hired to take on the Tatar forces and lead the eastward expansion of the empire with the sword a possible gift from the Kremlin. Right. The sword was uncovered at the base of a tree in the Baraba Forest Steppe, less than three kilometers from where it is thought Koltso, Yermak's closest ally, died in battle. We should not exclude the version that the sword could have got to Baraba with Yermak's squadrons. Despite his Cossacks having sabers and firearms, they were still using swords. Mm, okay. the, sword, the sword was lying at a depth of three to five centimeters, right under the soil, close to an old road and burial mound. It was so well preserved that you could almost use it in battle to this day. Almost. Well, yeah. I guess you'd have to sharpen it. It's a little yeah. rusty, maybe. Huh. I watched a couple of movies you in didn't. expectation of this. There's a, there's a there's a bunch of pop culture out there uh, dealing with Ivan the Terrible. I watched the original Back to the Future. What? There's a movie called Ivan Vasilyevich from 1973 that was released uh, with an English subtitle, Back to the Future. Oh, was there a horse carriage that you had to get to 88 miles an hour or whatever it was? No. Ivan Vasilyevich, Back to the Future, is a Soviet science fiction comedy directed by Leonid Gadai in 1973. The story begins in Moscow, where engineer Alexander, nicknamed Shurik Timofeyev, is working on a time machine in his apartment. By accident, he sends Ivan Vasilyevich Buncha, the superintendent of his apartment building, and George Miloslavsky, a small-time burglar, back to the time of Ivan the Terrible. Okay. At the same time, the real Ivan IV is brought back to the apartment in 1973, Uh... and he has to deal with modern-day life while Shurik tries to fix the machines that everyone can be returned to their proper place and time. Fish out of water stories. Yeah. Cod out of cods out of water. This movie is terrible. 
Oh. oh. Ivan the Terrible. Oh. oh. Wait, like, is it good t- or bad? Terrible like as in badass? I'm confused. No, it's awful. Oh, okay. It, it, like, it literally has Benny Hill style, like... Yakety snacks. Yakety snacks where they're running in super high speed, like behind a curtain and through a door and out through another thing while the Cossacks are chasing them, like around the palace. Like, literally, like that kind of great a slapstick humor. And... And then in Ivan the Terrible in the modern age, he's there's all sorts of like really poor taste jokes like about massacres and this right, and that. Right, right. Like, oh, you I, mean like we do on Caustic Soda? I mean, we do on Caustic Soda. Where Ivan the Terrible would say something along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, oh – just slap your woman or whatever. And he's like, we don't do that in this time. And Ivan laughs. And you know, that it's like a, there's a, 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 a comedy break and you know, they're, they're Ivan the terrible is drinking whole vodkas and, and uh, the, uh, the unassuming uh, engineer is, is, you know, cowed in his presence. And yeah, just a, a lot of cracks about, you know, killing wives and, and uh, right. massacring boyars and, you know, all to great humorous effect. Maybe I needed to be a Soviet in 1973 oh, to find this thing funny. 1973, wow, okay. It was not funny. Huh. And then, of course, the whole thing turns out, spoiler alert, that it was all a dream. Oh, what? Yeah, he was working on his time machine. There was an explosion, and That's then it all played out, and then he wakes up at the very end of it to find that it was all a dream. I watched a movie. Oh, yeah? I watched part one of Ivan the Terrible. Ooh. From 1944, this was supposed to be a trilogy. Uh-huh. Uh, this was commissioned by our old friend, Joseph Stalin. Oh, a patron of the arts, if you will. Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Not known for being a patron of the arts. <laughs> well, so apparently, uh-huh. uh, Joseph Stalin identified and admired... Ivan the Terrible. Of not course, at all he did. Surprised. That, that is not surprising one bit. So he, the first movie was made and released. Yeah. The second movie was made and not released. Okay. Because Joseph Stalin was like, wait a minute, Ivan the Terrible is doing all these bad things to people <laughs> and he's paranoid <laughs> and he's just <laughs> putting people in bear suits or whatever. Hey, wait a second. I know this. This was this, uh, it was directed by Sergei Eisenstein. Yes, that's right. Like the grandfather of all film theory. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of amazing to watch. Really? Like just from a cinematography and just symbolism and the use of shadows and everything. Like it's oh, yeah. very like, it's very, it's, it's. 1944, but it's kind of shot very like 1920s and 1930s silent film style. Yes. Where everything is very overly dramatic. Yeah. There's people like standing in exactly the same position for a long time and then they move suddenly very dramatically. Yeah. And very every- stagey. Yeah. There's makeup and the beards are crazy and <laughs> fantastic. And there's like hats, giant hats, so many giant hats. Oh, nice. Of every shape and size you can imagine. Nice, nice. And uh, yeah. So the first film covers h- him becoming. The czar. the czar, right? The siege of Ka- of Kazan. Okay, so all the like he's overcoming adversity. He's being yeah. oppressed by the boyars, and he fights against them to triumph. And then he beats the Tatars. Yeah, his first like military victory. Oh right, yeah, okay, all right. I can see why Stalin would like this. Yeah, and it has the it has that part where the they've tied up 
the Tatars on Palisades or whatever yeah. within earshot of the of the palace. Yeah, yeah. And they're so until now cry out to surrender, and then the they, archers they, they shoot just them. shoot them down so yeah. they can't cry out to surrender. Okay, <laughs> so that's some pretty cool stuff in it. Yeah. Um, so thumbs up. Yes. Way up. Sure. Okay. Upish. This, the movie's a hundred percent positive on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, and then, I, but and then, so are you going to say something about this film? Yes. Okay. I have a quote from Roger Ebert. Oh, who gave it a four star rating out of four stars? Okay. I can't do a Roger Ebert impression though, unfortunately. Um, well, he had no jaw at the end of his life, so don't say anything. <laughs> okay. Uh, the two parts of Eisenstein's Ivan the Terrible are epic in scope, awesome in visuals, and nonsensical in story. I hope earnest students of cinema will forgive me when I say every serious movie lover should see it, dash, dash, once. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. I can kind of see that. You can I can kind of see that. with that yeah. rating? Yeah. Uh-huh. Part three was being developed, but uh, it was stopped, and everything that had been filmed and, and written was destroyed. Right. Right. So there will never be a part three. And that was... Uh, it, the the second half was finally released after Stalin died and after Eisenstein died as well. Yeah, yeah, because I know that you can get the Criterion Collection, uh, Ivan Grozny one and two on the same uh in the same collection. Right. So the yeah. second part of the trilogy is available, but it was never screened in Eisenstein's or Stalin's lifetime. Yes. Got it. Yeah, they've got about f- a little over four minutes of part three still oh, uh, really? remaining as a short, but it's completely uh, unfinished, yeah. Well, talking about fantastic cinematography, I saw a movie from 2009 that was in Russian called Tsar. That was the entire title of it. And the the movie actually focuses entirely on the, uh, the like, two years uh, between when a Metropolitan Philip came to Moscow and when uh, Ivan the Terrible had him strangled. Okay. So it's a very specific. Yes. Uh, t- uh, three-year period. Three-year period, like passage of time and like a very specific story. And it's about these two men who were uh, friendly at the beginning and obviously yes. had, uh, had a falling out by the end. <laughs> and I'm watching this movie and I was expecting it to just be schlock or whatever. And... I'm watching it. I'm really impressed with the cinematography. Like the camera work and the lighting is amazing, right? And I'm going, oh, I'm going to discover this hereto unknown oh. director of photography. Uh-huh. This is going to be amazing. Like this, this, I got to get this Russian guy to come over to North America and start lighting, you know, non Russian movies. And this is going to be awesome. And the movie is actually quite good the acting is all the guy they got to play ivan the terrible is spectacular and there's this kind of there's this metaphorical existence there's a, a b storyline of this little blonde orphan this little blonde russian orphan girl okay. who i think is like you know mother russia right okay and uh ivan the terrible has her killed with a pet bear so oh there you go yeah all right not not on purpose he doesn't do it on purpose okay. because he's like trying to you know protect her or whatever but she like walks in front of a bear and gets murdered by so it. who is this director so, so i think that there's this like you know the bear monster that ivan the terrible has created that's okay. like crushing mother russia and so there's like symbolism some great symbolism it's a really excellent movie and so i looked it up and the dop is actually american 
Tom oh. Stern. Tom Stern, and he has been the DOP on like Clint Eastwood's last ten movies. Okay, he's done like right. Flags of Our Fathers okay. and American Sniper, and like he is an A-list director yeah, of photography. Right. He's so, the DOP on The Hunger Games. Yeah, on The Hunger Games. So A-list DOP, and I'm like, how the hell did they get him to come to Russia to do a Russian language money? It didn't look that big budget. Like, I mean, it was a historical epic, but like, maybe he's a fan. A fan of uh, Ivan the Terrible? Uh, yep. $17 million budget. That's not bad. That's not great. That's not Hunger Games. But it's enough That's to, not Clint Eastwood. But it's enough to get that guy, like some of it's enough to get that oh. guy over if you decide that the way it looks is very important to you, right? I mean, it looked spectacular. So, Sorry, from 2009. He yeah. did a good job. I would definitely recommend this movie. I mean, if you like to see little girls killed by bears. I do, I do. Eh. So the question now is, where does Ivan the Terrible land on the Caustic Soda Evilometer? Well, uh, I mean, there are extenuating circumstances with Ivan that don't necessarily exist in every evil dude's case, right? Such as? Really? uh, I mean, he grew up in a palace where uh, armed marauding murderers would run into his personal quarters and throw him to the ground and take whatever they wanted. Right. And take molest- all his Fabergé eggs. And yep. molest him. And molest him. But to, and leave him starving. But if he was a non-evil person, wouldn't that make him go, wow, that's bad. I shouldn't do that to other people because I don't like it. I don't know if that's the way psychology works. It does with I, a lot of people. I think I, it's like, yeah, I with, think it's half and half, maybe. Mm-hmm. In my professional opinion. Listen, I'm not saying that he wasn't a, a bad kid to begin with, or he doesn't come from sort of like that stock because his mom did have his uncles murdered so that they wouldn't attempt to succeed him to the throne. Uh, so, you know, I mean, they, yeah, there's a lot of things going on in his environment. This is a nature versus nurture question. Whereas they didn't really have this with Ted Bundy, right? Ted Bundy was not nature versus nurture because there was no, you know, none of this in his background, right? That's that's reasons, though. Like, I I don't see any of them as being, oh, well, obviously you would turn into a murderous psychopath if this happened to you. Because mm-hmm. I, I think just as likely or even more likely that you'd go the other way. I think that would wear you down or make you think it was terrible. And it probably does for most people. Unless you're evil, like okay. this guy. All right. Lack of empathy. Well, yeah. but... He did have like seven years of relatively little genocide. I'm willing. Oh, because of, because of his does, little heifer. Does that the, the that little, doesn't make him not evil? That makes Anastasia evil quenching. Yeah. Oh, okay. She <laughs> the evil quencher. She gives a, maybe a minus two to his evil rating, right? Right. Yeah. While, right. Like right. She, she's sure. like a she's yeah, like okay. a, an evil debuff, right? Right. 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 <laughs> while alive, Tsar has minus two evil rating. Yeah. Okay. All and right. then he dies. That's fair. That's fair commentary. That buff that goes is away. Fair commentary. It's more about her than him. Is he as bad as Hitler? Right? He's got the Novogrod massacre. Well, again, as we've said before, Hitler never actually got his hands dirty. Oh, yeah. And Ivan got his hands dirty. He was running people through from horseback. Yeah. He was stabbing Uh, his uh, Vlad uh, Vlad with with his pokey staff. And Hitler wasn't like just... They had the Russian pinata with his, uh, you know, former advisor. Was Hitler just randomly killing like Germans that he thought might be turning against him? Like, I thought he was very supportive of generally the non-Jewish, non-gay. Like, he actually had people that he was like, you're on my side and I'm going to make the world better for you, right? Whereas with Ivan, he just like talks about making Russia better, but then kills the boyars and then tortures the peasants and then locks them out of the city. and And he makes it better for you for a little while yeah and then uh when you can't keep the tatars from sacking and burning moscow 
you're out on your ass. Yeah, or it throws you into a river until the banks overflow because of the corpses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's more evil. Mm. But on the other hand, do we have to factor in the numbers? Like how many people did Hitler kill versus how many people did Ivan the Terrible kill? And does it equate time-wise, like percentage, statistically, with the percentage of the population? No, no, like adjusted for inflation. When you talk about dollars, right? You know, a movie that was made in 1932, it was a million-dollar movie, but that's still a $100 million movie today or whatever, right? Certainly in 1560s Russia, the population was nowhere near what it would be in the 20th century. Yeah, 1940, whatever. Yeah, it would be easily, you know, quadrupled probably, if not more, right? Mm. So, I mean, uh, the the city of Novgorod was only like probably about uh, 30 to 60,000 people when they, you know, wiped it off the planet. And Hitler took out 6 million Jews. So I did a quick search. It looks like it's anywhere from a low of 60,000 up to 220,000 about that he killed during right. his reign. Yeah. So there you go. That's okay. about, that sounds about right. It's a goodly amount. Yeah. And uh, Hitler is directly responsible for, you know, probably 30 million. So, yeah. Well, because he's responsible for the war. Yeah. I mean, he did, did club his own son to death. And the, the like the named successor right to the throne yeah. yes yeah that he, and there's the raping and the there's the raping and the killing of the animals yeah. the gouging their eyes yeah. out slitting their bellies yeah, yeah it's hard to not no. pick ten yeah That's, I'm kind of feeling the same way it's hard like, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to, to me it's either it's either a nine or a ten. lower than ten I want to say like well he had some entertaining ways of killing people so that mediates it a little bit but no it no doesn't. that no because they, they were still doesn't. run down and eaten by dogs yes. that, which is an awful way to die I would suggest that making murder entertaining is actually more <laughs> oh, evil wait, what yeah, <laughs> yeah. what. That is a that is a salient point, I, I Joe. You make that, a convincing argument. I think on that if you're one. a good person who has to kill somebody, you work hard to make it not entertaining. Uh, uh-huh. Hmm. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go with a ten. I I can't. I can't. I I, I keep trying to find a mitigating factor. Because any more evil than this, any more actually evil, and people would have been like, "All right, that's it. I just fucking kill him. Stop and the planet. Stop let's the get planet. Off. Kill this guy. Let's find somebody slightly less evil to be our murder psychopath ruler." Uh-huh. And it would never. He could never accomplish what he pulled off. Right? He would be so evil yeah. that even people backing him would be like, oh, "Fuck. Okay, that's enough of this." They, they, no, they just all would have run to Lithuania. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. left him Which al- is where they all belong, I Left think. him alone. There'd be him in the middle of <laughs> Moscow, Moscow, deserted streets for thousands of miles. Yeah, he could just sit in the Kremlin, look down on his uh, fancy church there, yeah. and just uh, love life. Yeah. All by his lonesome. I gotta okay. say 10. 10. Yeah, it's gotta be, right? Like, how could it be anything less? It's, it, it, I think it's the hands-on part. It's the, it's the melange. It's the perfect mixture. Right. Of hands-on, you know, Ted Bundiness, right? Mm-hmm. Combined with attempted genocide Hitleriness. Yeah. He's he was, either he was a, hands-on. He yeah. uh, killed everyone. Yeah. <laughs> without compunction. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He killed people that he would just be worried that he thought they were well, going to turn against future conspirator and, potential and didn't just kill them. and the families, the yeah. families, and the entire families, and had no real desire to make their deaths quick or painless. Instead, he wanted to make a big show of them. Yeah. Ten. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an 
positive feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new, and we'll have more gross facts for you, and you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while rats burrowed through his chest for freedom. Horrible freedom. To comment on episodes and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Support us now at patreon.com slash causticsoda. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting Caustic Soda. Hunter, 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 mushroom, mushroom. I do not know what that is. <laughs> We're recording on both tracks. <laughs>